0: good afternoon ladies and gentlemen i'm retired colonel rob manis back with you once again for our weekly live show and we've got a great guest today the title of today's show is marxism is on the march in the united states while cubans are revolting against it uh our guests uh, new book who was Karl marx uh Uh, is uh, what the subject is today to talk about that issue and and a lot of the other issues that are associated with Marxism in America. Uh, From the book, the left is rampaging across our nation. Portland, Oregon is burning and many other cities face continuous looting, rioting and destruction. Literal miles of Minneapolis, Minnesota have been destroyed. Democrat run cities are hemorrhaging people fleeing for, Uh, the relative sanity of the red states. And while Antifa, Black Lives Matter, mobs are wreaking havoc, destroying businesses and neighborhoods, leaders in those communities have taken an inexplicable hands-off attitude, even to the point of restraining uh, a police response and calls for defunding the police, as many of us know. As a result, America today is really unrecognizable from a year ago and uh, Democrat leaders have stood by and not done anything, and in some cases, actually contributed to the atmosphere of hatred and chaos, both in their rhetoric and policy proposals. This is serious business, folks. Misinformation from the press, politicians, and even health officials has contributed to the deaths of over 600,000 Americans from COVID-19, despite former president Trump's relentless effort to provide needed supplies and hospital beds and unprecedented success in bringing antidotes to the market in record time. The new administration of Mr. Joe Biden has reversed every single successful policy of the Trump administration that brought unprecedented economic revitalization across America and stemmed the flow of illegal immigration. immigration crisis at our border, border deliberately instigated by Biden and the Democrats. Prices rising, and Biden administration economic policies threatened to kill millions of jobs. And of course, while all that's going on, critical race theory and Black Lives Matter rhetoric is it's being mainstreamed into our public school curriculums. Uh, It's teaching children to hate America, hate each other. And at the same time, uh, they're being indoctrinated to believe they can change their sexual identity at will in some cases without parental permission. The entire world seems to be going insane. And if this trend isn't reversed, our nation and the world will face in the words of Jim Simpson, our guest, a cataclysm of biblical proportions economist, businessman, author, and commentator, Jim Simpson. Sir, welcome back to The Rob Manus Show. We appreciate having you. Hey, Rob, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm excited about the book. I'm glad you reached out to me. Uh, uh, you know, we've, we've had great discussions about your books uh, before, uh, uh, The Red-Green Alliance and uh, all that crazy stuff and that's really uh you have gone in depth into uh into the craziness of the left is what i call it i'm surprised you've been able to maintain your sanity man <laughs> hey do me a favor how are guys gas prices where you're at right now
1: well they're up probably yep. about 20 percent they're not yep. through the roof here you know uh but they but they are up are substantially up
0: I yeah i went return. from yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i went from uh january uh, costing about sixty dollars to fill up my pickup it's ninety dollars mm-hmm. i filled it up yeah. last week uh it is ninety dollars so from sixty to ninety dollars yeah. uh and uh we're in a relatively low uh low uh low inflation area here down in the southern part of the united states so i can't imagine being in california or or New York city seeing pictures of like 565 a gallon and those kinds of things. Yeah. Oh it's yeah. It's all, it's all part of the plan too. I mean, it really is. Exactly. Well, let's, <laughs> let's, let's get, get right to the book. Uh, my friend, you know, the title of the book is who was Karl Marx, I believe. Uh, but you know, you, in the introduction, you talk about four fundamental concepts yep. that we need to understand before yep. we read the book. Step through those for the audience real quick uh, before we move on to get into the to the real meat of this.
1: Sure. Okay. first. And I always whenever I'm giving a presentation or anything, I always lead off with this. The issue is never the issue. The issue is always the revolution. And now David Horowitz said that he was quoting a 60s radical who said that back in the 60s. And the point was, they didn't really care what the issue was. You know, didn't matter. You know, you talk about free speech, you talk about civil rights, you talk about immigrant rights, you talk about gay rights, you just name your right. They could care less, except in the way that it can be used as a vehicle for them to insert themselves into positions of power. And so they use all of those issues as a way both to divide us while at the same time stepping in as the conquering heroes and the uh, rescuers of the poor and oppressed. And Mm -hmm. and so they always wrap themselves in the mantle of compassion. So of course, you wouldn't be against immigrant rights, would you, Rob? (laughs) How could you? Oh, you racist, you bigot, you xenophobe. You know, And
0: of course, yeah, I've been called all those.
1: Yeah, of course. And they don't mean it in the way that we think they mean it, because mm-hmm. what they really mean about immigrant rights is open borders and amnesty for every illegal alien that can get into this country for the purpose of overwhelming our nation with massive problems and diluting our identity so that we're no longer a nation of Americans, we're just a nation of people from everywhere. I mean, Mm -hmm. and many of whom will vote Democrat, and that's the key. You know, so uh, the way they present it and how they mean it are two totally different things. The issue is never the issue. The issue is always the revolution, and the revolution is their obsession with seizing and holding absolute power, and this is important, just as important, the wealth that comes with that. They never are, uh, they're never blamed or never questioned about that aspect of the agenda, but it is a cornerstone of the agenda. The Green New Deal, global warming, climate change, those are all absolutely fraudulent agendas whose sole purpose is to fleece our country of its resources and deliver it into the hands of the left and their allies around the world. They're just drooling to get fabulously wealthy on the trillions of dollars they could uh, justify taking to save the world from catastrophic climate change. Uh, It's total fraud. The second that's
0: yeah, really not the issue, as you said,
1: it's it, it really not the issue. Yeah. The issue is not the issue. And the second one in, and, and this is also equally important that people have to understand, you have to step back and look at all of the agendas, everything uh, they are doing as one part of a composite whole and it mm-hmm. together it is a asymmetric military strategy of conquest. Their goal, is to overthrow this country, destroy this country, and take it over from within. And this is not a strictly domestic uh, movement. This is international communism with domestic tentacles. That's number two. Mm-hmm. Number three, there is a method to their madness. We we all think of that they're just insane. They're crazy. But there is a method to their madness. And literally, it is to make us all crazy. It is detach to detach us from any and all anchors to reality that we ever had. And the whole purpose, if we're thrown into this nebulous world where the truth, there is no such thing as the truth, we don't know what to hold on to. And that is another component of their strategy of absolute control you know Mm -hmm. you have a people who are confused distracted misdirected those people and afraid because all of this stuff creates fear yeah people like that are easy to control and finally the entire agenda is satanic that's the only way you can look at it you know the whole agenda to um teach children, transgenderism, homosexuality. In fact, just teaching kindergarten and elementary school kids about sexuality is beyond the pale because their little minds are not fully formed to handle that kind of information. And what they're really doing is grooming children. I mean, it's absolutely sadistic. It's beyond the pale. And I thank God that people around the country are finally waking up and seeing just how bad things are in public school that people have been able to get away with this agenda, which mm-hmm. is not new. We're just newly discovering it.
0: Yeah, it's really it's really not new. It's been around for a while, Jim. Yeah. On that, just a small, small side question, uh, uh, that, that issue is just like the rest of them it's not really the issue i mean the the, the, fo- the goal is to divide yep. uh to attack religion to divide to attack our history to divide to attack yep. race uh and foment hatred between the races to divide right i mean that's yep. that's, that's uh, uh that I, I agree with that i think that is satanic uh, <laughs> uh, i mean you're going after the little kids but uh, as we'll get to later uh, there's a slogan adopted by a guy in your book that, uh, that I know about, but I think most people don't really know about him. And it's the ing- injusti- ends yeah. justify the means. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one of our, I forgot to say it at the beginning of this, but our viewers uh, can comment. And, uh, and before we answer my next question, I wanted to put the uh, end Davidson's comment up uh, Marx himself was not a Marxist. Uh, my next question is, and something I found fascinating about your book is, is uh, what was Karl Marx like? yeah, that-
1: yes. Karl Marx, you know, first of all, he hated everyone. <laughs> he was absolutely brimming with hate. But he personifies all in one person everything that he claimed to hate about everybody else. He was bottomlessly greedy, bottomlessly greedy. His father was a wealthy attorney and his father showered him with money. When he went off to college, he got as an allowance uh, an amount greater than what 95% of the German public were getting in their annual salaries. And he, a spoiled brat, rich kid, He played the stock market all the time, where he almost invariably lost. That may have actually fomented his resentment against capitalism. He knew (laughs) nothing about capitalism. He was greedy, selfish, petulant, sleazy. Uh, He spied on his own fellow communists to get paid by the German government. He Mm. supported slavery. He called the proletariat that he was claiming that he was going to uh, liberate, he called them stupid boys, rogues, asses. And while he preached this egalitarian nebulous system of communism, personally, he was arrogant beyond belief. He didn't tolerate. You had to you had to worship Marx just to be tolerated by him, according to one of his leftist colleagues. And the people around him in the left all say these things about him. Uh, he he never bathed. His mother said instead of changing the world, Carl ought to just try changing his underwear, and she harried him <laughs> once a week to do that. Of course, he never paid attention to it. He impregnated his maid and then accused Engels, Frederick Engels, his lifelong partner, of being the one to do it, and Engels raised the child as his own and didn't admit that it was actually Marxist until his deathbed. Uh, That's incredible. Two of his daughters and a son-in-law committed suicide. Mm -hmm. Three of his children died of malnutrition, and while his wife was running around trying to get a coffin for one of them, he employed this loudest libidinous secretary for the sole purpose of he claimed it was important for a man of his stature to keep up appearances. Can you imagine that while his wife was running around trying to get money just for a coffin? Because even though his father showered him with money, he ran right through his inheritance and spent the rest of his life greedy hovering over ailing relatives waiting for them to die so he could find out what he would get in their uh wills and, and he, he, some, he put about some some
0: excerpts from a couple of letters into in, oh, yeah. to the book uh, which i found fascinating i had not read anything like that before you know most people try to try to idolize uh somebody that's famous in history even marx uh yeah. but the guy really is a dirt bag you know uh, yeah, exactly. i mean that's what we call him today yeah. Uh, I mean, he he he, he was uh, uh, describe a couple of those letters about the greed part. I mean, it was incredible sure. sure. how uh, he was uh, he yeah. he was uh, like like you said, hovering over ailing relatives.
1: It's incredible. Here's one he sent to Angles. Yesterday, we were informed of a very happy event: the death of my wife's uncle, aged ninety. As a result, my mother-in-law will save an annual impost of. Two hundred talers—that's a German equivalent uh, to the German mark—and my wife will get almost a hundred pounds more if the old dog hasn't made over to his housekeeper such of his money that is not entailed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't believe that. And, and when his mother died, he said, "Oh, he wrote another letter to his wife." Uh, What his mother, what she gave to Conradi, their attorney, was a notarial copy of a sort of a will which contained nothing but the following terms. One, she left all the furniture and linen to Emily, with the exception of the gold and silverware. To her son, Carl, she leaves the 1,100 talers. to Sophie, father's portraits. That's all there is to the will. As yet, I know nothing about the actual value of the state. And he goes on and ends it by saying, the real assets are all in uncle's hands. And he goes on to talk about wealthy relatives that, gee, he may be able to get squeeze some money out of. I mean, it's just stunning. And Engels supported him for the rest of his life by stealing money out of the petty cash from his father's business. And Engels was another uh, wealthy spoiled brat, rich kid, uh, who used to party well into the night. He had friends <laughs> over, and they partied all the time. And uh, these these people were just, they were like spe- spoiled, selfish, spoiled brats that have all the money in the world, and they think that they are the last word on everything towering arrogance, towering arrogance to the point that they are willing to plan and advocate for the complete destruction of the world as we know it. And they have no qualms about saying that millions of people will have to die to achieve their, their ends. It's,
0: it's simply astonishing. Well, you t- it is, it is, it's astonishing, but at the same time, it's very familiar. to what we're living through today and what we see from young people, some young people, not all, but some young people, a lot of young people in the United States and around the world, really. Uh, uh, So this this Friedrich Engels, Mm -hmm. Marx's close partner and friend. I I suppose he was a friend. Uh, Who was he? Uh, And uh, what's his what's his big play in the whole uh, development of Marxism and communism, as you lay it out in the book? <clears throat> well, he's the co author
1: of the Communist Manifesto. Marx was really, I think, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, the intellectual powerhouse, although, you know, uh, he really, I- except for uh, being very good at turning a phrase, being a very brilliant and accomplished writer, uh, you know, most of what he said, a lot of what he said was just gibberish. I mean, you know, there's the uh, uh, three-volume Das Kapital. Now, and that's supposed to be his economic treatise that justifies the communism that he advocated uh, mm-hmm. 30 years earlier in the Communist Manifesto. But, but it's just this impenetrable, impenetrable, <laughs> endlessly long tract of gibberish. I'm an economist. He was never an economist. His economic theories could be dis, could be successfully dismissed by any decent econ one hundred and one student. They were idiotic. His ideas were idiotic. They could never work. And you know, he really didn't even explain how they would work, because he said after the you know the period of communism mm-hmm. that the state would wither away he never explains how that's going to happen when that's going to happen he doesn't explain the mechanics how does that happen how do you have a power vacuum in humanity it just it's never existed and he doesn't explain how it could exist and you know you really get to the heart of it when you realize the communist uh economic theories the Communist mm-hmm. plan as it were it's more like a um, it's more like a sales pitch it's a sales pitch for a bunch of people who are going to convince you that they're going to do everything they can to help you out give you tons of money and then in the end somehow they wind up with all the money, all the mm-hmm. power, and you're ten times worse off than you were before. It, gee, it reminds me a lot of today's Democrats, doesn't
0: it? <laughs> yeah, and uh, the Cuban people uh, in the communist country of Cuba are are uh, are fed up with it. Thank yeah. goodness. Yeah. Uh, thank goodness. It, it uh, unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of Americans in power today are drive trying to drive us in the direction of uh full-on socialism and communism uh and and what is the book at length but for the what's the difference between socialism
1: well they're really distinctions without a difference i mean i i guess it depends on who you talk to and how they define things uh you know socialism is communism on the installment plan Uh, Marxism is just the uh, supposed theoretical construct Mm -hmm. for the system of communism. But really, really, it is all the the reason that it has so much attractiveness to so many people. uh, And it took me a while to figure this out because, you know, as an economist, I asked myself, why on earth? Would anybody want to support communism when it's so clearly a really destructive system that, that that cannot provide benefits to the people in the countries where it's practiced? And I realized that communism, as an economic theory, mm-hmm. is is a sales pitch. The reality yeah. of Congress communism, that attracts people is the various tactics and techniques that it offers for seizing and holding absolute power and the wealth that goes with it. And, you know, I quote John P. Roche, one of my favorite uh, guys, he was the... uh, he was the academic dean of the uh, Tufts University uh, Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: he was also um, he was also an advisor to both Kennedy and Johnson, presidents Kennedy and Johnson, and he said. In nineteen seventy one, that communism is not an ideology to save the oppressed of the earth. It is rather a system of strategies for a new form, a new style mafia, more interested in seizing and holding power than in rescuing the the oppressed of the earth. And I thought that was a very good way of putting it. And that's really the advantage that people see to it because the pitch to the uninitiated is that, oh, well, what's the matter with us all being equal? What's the matter with, uh, you know, wealth being redistributed? From you know, the rich to the poor, you know, after all, maybe the rich didn't earn it and the poor didn't didn't sh- shouldn't shouldn't be treated so unfairly. Um, mm-hmm. And so to the uninitiated, you have this emotional appeal, and that's how they always do it, isn't it? With the mm-hmm. emotional appeal, to your compassion, to your sense of fairness, to your sense of justice. But as you and I know, their definitions of those things are nothing like ours. And yes. so we or the uninitiated people who don't bother to look uh, or don't have critical thinking skills or are too lazy to uh, utilize them um, get easily taken in. And the thing uh, that's so problematic about it is that in today's society, That's a very attractive way to go, simply because that is the mainstream narrative. And by jumping on board, you have a lot of friends. You're accepted by society. Heck, if you're a pundit, you might even get a job at CNN. Whereas if, like you or I, we kind of tend to point out what the actual facts are, that really gets in the way of their agenda.
0: And, it uh, does, man, it, and and the facts. Uh, you you put it well. You know uh, that uh, uh, that it, it's it's a pitch. You know, uh, communism is a pitch, pitch, not. Uh, uh, it's not a legitimate. Uh, doesn't require that the poor bit. Yeah, yeah. Is that That's right? amazing. Yeah. Uh, I
1: think you broke up there for a minute. I didn't catch that last question.
0: Well, the, the pitch uh, doesn't even have to be accepted by the poor, it just has to be believed uh, for a very short period of time until they can get into power. And, and really, you see that and have seen it happening the last 70 years in the United States of America yeah. through the use of government. And I like the, I like the comparison between the mafia uh, uh, and, yeah, and communism, is. because uh, communism is, is government mafia. Uh, yes. it's legalized mafia, uh, yeah, it and, and is. they use all the force of government to, to make you do what they want you to do. And the, they, the elites, they just keep getting wealthier and wealthier. And it really doesn't help the poor. Yep. Uh, you know, Americans are smart people, Jim, uh, you know, if we look at Donald Trump's administration, you can say what you will about Mr. Trump, uh, whether you love him or hate him, but the data. Uh, on the economic side of it comes out that wage increases for African Americans and and really all demographics. uh, But, but the first time we've seen the the amounts that we've seen for the black population in the United States under this man uh, who is accused every day, like the rest of us, of being a racist bigot uh, who hates people and those kind of things, Uh, you know, and uh, uh, it and I mentioned that it takes 90 bucks to fill up my pickup truck today, and, and in January it was 60. Well, that impacts the working poor first yep, and the poor the most, yep. Uh, those kind of things. And, and, and this president, who who is on the communist side, uh, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say that quiet part out loud over and over again. I, I yep. say it every day because yep. it's true. This yep. president, who is on the side of the communists, yep. did it intentionally, like he's doing a lot of other things intentionally. Oh, no, it's all intentional. Uh, uh, So how do we convince the American voter that what they're, they're selling is just a pack of lies because they keep buying into it quite a bit.
1: Well, yeah, a lot of people do, uh, I think, well, I'm pretty sure anyway, that more and more people are, are waking up. I think a lot more people realize that really bad things are happening that are willing to publicly admit it because you know, that's the, that's the problem. Uh, if you don't have a broad platform that can uh, support and defend your narrative, you're basically out there alone. Mm-hmm. And so if I were to go walk you around in the neighborhood, and start talking to people. I, you know, I'd find five or ten people say, "Oh yeah, I think I agree with you." I'd find people who would slam the door on me, you know. Yeah. And if I were working in a school, for example, and started talking like this, I'd probably lose my job, you know. And 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 there are so many other circumstances that are like that. And it's not that everybody believes all this garbage that the left is putting out, but they're afraid of the consequences of not going along with it, because the left has been so successful at isolating and then punishing and ultimately destroying at least the credibility, the reputations, if not the lives of -hmm. the people who become their targets. And of course, that's a Saul Alinsky tactic. But that also has a long, long history of development, which I go through into my book.
0: Yeah, and you dive into that in the book uh, and, and talk a lot about Sergei uh, uh, Nechayev. Nechayev. uh yep. Uh, uh, and uh, you know, tell folks what is nihilism <laughs> and how it's related to Sergei.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, Sergei Nichayev and his group, they called themselves the nihilists. And so nihilism is essentially, you know, anarchy. It's uh, mm-hmm self-absorbed, doing whatever the heck you want, whenever the heck you want it. It just cut loose insanity. And they were all anarchists. Mm -hmm. And uh, while nobody, almost nobody has heard of Sergei Nechayev, he is, next to Marx, the most important, in my mind, radical uh, of history, because he wrote something called the Revolutionary Catechism, which I go into in depth in the book. And the mm-hmm. revolutionary catechism, just a three page pamphlet became the blueprint for communist revolution. And if you read it, everything is in there, everything that communists have adopted since then. And, but most importantly, he talks about strategically what they're trying to achieve with it. He says up front, our goal is to absolutely launch an all-destroying popular revolt that destroys every aspect of society, root and branch. And their goal, his goal, (laughs) he says, all we want is the complete happiness and liberation of the masses. However, In order to achieve that complete happiness, there first has to be an all-destroying revolt. Therefore, we will engage in increasing the evils and the miseries of the people until at last their patience is exhausted and they're driven to revolt. And that's what we're watching happening now. That's what we watched happening under the eight years of Obama which was daily communist provocation tactics, jamming a stick in our eye, hoping that somebody would get so angry that they would lose it. And when that Mm -hmm. didn't work, instead, we got Donald Trump. So then they redoubled their efforts, first to destroy him, and then turn to destroy the rest of us. And now we have Biden, who has ramped up and turbocharged that agenda with in your face lies and destructive uh, agendas on every single element of what government does right before our eyes and yeah. the goal is to push us so far into a corner that we either throw up our hands and give up and say take the whole enchilada or we're driven to revolt and either way we lose because we're driven to revolt then biden takes his now totally woke dod Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: turns those people and i'm sure they have identified units uh that would be happy to fire on american people they will get those people right out there and Unlike Trump's uh, uh, term when the Antifa was rioting in the streets and his hands were tied by the DOD, yep. we will have a, a DOD unleashed. And and that's what they're looking for. They want us to be the ones to initiate the Civil War. And they're continually provoking us to do that. And that's right out of the mind of Sergei Nechayev.
0: And, you know, that's a, you get a little taste of that, the reality of it from the January 6th riots. Yeah. Uh, just a little taste of it. And you see yeah. how strong the leftist response was and that uh, and that the military went along with, the, uh, you know, uh, fortressizing the United States Capitol, which should never was needed or required. Uh, They've they've arrested four or 500 people, several hundred are in solitary confinement, some without even charges at all. It's Uh, it's incredible. incredible. It's beyond the pale. But that's just a taste, (coughs) right, Jim? That's just a taste. That's That's just just a taste. A a small taste. And, and,
1: And I remain convinced that that entire thing was a setup, that the people who were supposedly members of Oath Keepers, other organizations that Mm -hmm. supposedly initiated that i'd want to look really closely at their backgrounds because at least one of them anyway uh his uh uh, connection to the oath keepers is very tenuous at best and you know i know the oath keepers i'm an associated member of the oath keepers they don't they don't advocate violence they don't advocate overthrowing a government they advocate being adhering to the Constitution and following constitutional orders. There is no nothing in the Oath Keeper's uh, literature or anything about them that suggests that they would organize something like this. And I don't think they have. I think Tucker Carlson was right when he said that this was set up, and it may have even been set up by the FBI, I mean, the FBI does these kinds of sting operations against this Islamic uh, People all the time, and they basically goad them into into trying to engage in an act of terrorism, so that they can arrest them, uh, charge them mm-hmm. with acts of terrorism, and boost their uh, statistics.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and there's it's, some strong uh, facts yeah, that are emerging yeah, that support yeah. that support those yeah. views. I, I, and, I uh, always believe. You know, the the it's being reported today that there were 12 FBI informants involved in the Michigan plot. Uh, where there's only like five defendants, uh, right. and the defense lawyers are saying, "Hey, you know, these guys—they—they—they uh, they, they push these folks into this, and yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and use persuasion and coercion yeah. and all kinds of things. And that's not how you—that's uh, not how it's supposed to work in America. And I yeah. believe it's right. being reported that there's highly suspect that there were. Uh, a bunch of FBI employees of some sort or another, either confidential informants, undercover agents, etc., uh, in the January 6th involvement. And we know there was Antifa and BLM there. Yeah, we have we have direct evidence of that. Yeah, yeah, there was. And, and you know,
1: there's direct evidence of of Trump supporters uh, fighting off those people who are trying yeah. to break through, uh, you know, those barriers. So yeah, you know, and. and once they got them in, then they suckered a bunch of people, saying, "Hey, come on in," and, yeah. and a lot of people just went with the flow. But it was not yeah. violent, right? You know, they just walked in and walked around. But really, it, the whole thing was a setup, and I believe they knew it was a setup, and they this was how they planned to uh, utilize that
0: to discredit
1: uh, an entire, basically, fifty percent of the American people.
0: Yeah. And you know what, after you read your book, you have a full understanding of why Uh, later on in the book uh, you, you talk about the Frankfurt school. Now I'm aware of it. I I'm a national security person. I've studied communism in order to defeat it and those kinds of things. But, uh, but a lot of folks don't know about that. What was the Frankfurt school and what impact does that have on today? uh, What we're seeing?
1: Yeah. The Frankfurt school is, is central to what we're seeing today. Um, Marx, before he even wrote the uh, Communist Manifesto, he said, the issues of the day are not our concern. What? That's right. The issues of the day are not our concern. We don't give a darn about those. Hmm. What we are concerned about is a ruthless criticism of everything existing. And this is another letter he wrote to one of his communist friends. A ruthless criticism of everything existing, and we shall not worry about what the consequences of that criticism are. In other words, we don't care if the government revolts towards us. We don't care Mm -hmm. if we generate violence. Ruthless criticism of everything existing. So then right around uh, the early 1919, the early 20s, uh a guy named willie munzenberg who was most people don't know of him either but he was uh a insider the soviet union with vladimir lenin and trotsky trotsky had identified him he was a young german communist and he was a brilliant organizer he's the guy responsible for creating popular front idea so for example you had the hollywood anti-nazi league which was actually a front for Soviet propaganda. And that's how a lot of Hollywood actors were uh, recruited by the communists. It was actually done by a guy named Otto Katz, who was a KGB assassin, but he was kind of a charming, good looking guy. And they sent him to uh, California to set up this popular front under Willy Munzenberg's orders. Munzenberg was, at thousands of uh, news outlets and theaters and things throughout Europe where they could covertly push the Soviet line. He said, and he was a big speaker at most of the communist international meetings in the early years of the Soviet Union, and he said, we must organize the intellectuals and use them to make Western civilization stink, because only then when we have corrupted all its values and made life impossible can we oppose communism. So He was an inspiration for a lot of people. And another guy named Georgie Lou Cox came up with an idea that he called cultural terrorism. And his idea Hmm. was to use explicit sex education to children and a nationwide uh, campaign uh, telling women to leave their husbands and engage in free love. This was in 1919 in the Hungarian Soviet Republic. He was the minister of culture. Anyway, oh. he inspired, uh, well, a another spoiled brat, rich kid of a rich German industrialist named Herman Wheel, uh decided he thought Marxism was cool. You know, I mean, it's always mm-hmm. cool to the college kids, right?
0: right? I think
1: it's super cool, right? So he underwrote the cost of a Marxist study week in 1923 in Frankfurt, Germany, and he invited Georgie Lukacs to come speak, and Georgie Lukacs wowed them with his ideas about cultural terrorism and cultural corruption, both of which came, well, at least the corruption idea came from Munzenberg, who was also an inspiration. Herman Weil decided at that point that he was gonna help fund the creation of the School for Social Research in Frankfurt, Germany. It was gonna be communist school. They called it the School for Social Research so that people would not be afraid of the, you know, they wouldn't realize what its true objectives were. It kind of became to be known as the Frankfurt School. And following Marx, who said, criticized everything existing, the Frankfurt School came up with what they called a new philosophy called critical theory, and that's exactly what it did. It criticized everything, and uh, let's see. I'll just uh, read of some of the goals. Oh, wait a minute. I got past it there. Hold on. Uh, Some of the goals they were trying to accomplish with critical theory. Critical theory criticized everything about Western culture and society, and the idea, as with Lukacs' cultural terrorism, was to corrupt our culture, corrupt our society, and so it was targeting creation of racism offenses, mm-hmm. continual change to create confusion teaching of sex and homosexuality to children. And now of course, transgenderism, the undermining of schools and teacher's authority, huge immigration to destroy identity. I wrote two books about that. Yeah. Promotion of excessive drinking, emptying of church, and I would add excessive drug use as well, or drug use period, mm-hmm. and unreliable legal system with bias against victims of crime. Does that sound familiar? You know, they've dispatched entirely with the death penalty, or almost entirely, and people are now getting off. We have, for example, in San Francisco, the district attorney is a guy named Chesa Boudin. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: He was raised by Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn, who were the communists who mentored President Obama when he first initiated his political career. Bill Ayers was the head of the Weather Underground Terrorist Organization. They raised Chesa Boudin as their son because their mother, Kathy, was serving a life in prison for murder when she and two others robbed a Brinks truck in Nyack, New York in, I believe, 1981, and Mm -hmm. murdered three men. And so she was serving, she got off in 2003. Guess where she's teaching now? Columbia University. Anyway, Chesa, Chesa was raised by Bill Ayers. He was an advisor to Hugo Chavez in Venezuela. And then after Chavez died, he came up to San Francisco and ran for district attorney. And he was one of the leading people who were in favor of emptying prisons, letting people out, getting rid of bail, and turning San Francisco into literally the dung hole that it is right now. Literally turning it into a mess. And it goes back to Nechayev, increasing the miseries and evils of the people until at last their patience is exhausted. And they're driven to a general uprising this is the strategy
0: <clears throat> anyway yeah, and, we, and we see stores like target and walgreens uh they're leaving the city and, and and where are those walgreens those pharmacies they're they're in neighborhoods a lot of them and a lot yeah. of those neighborhoods are the people that these creeps are uh, so-called saying they want to help
1: yeah <laughs> That's
0: right, That's right yeah
1: yeah i did it but so anyway the frankfurt school Founded in Germany in 1923, created critical theory, and when Nazis took over, those uh, professors, all being communists, most also being Jewish, fled to the United States and were resettled by none other than uh, John Dewey, the so-called father of public education, who was at that time the chairman of the National Education Association a very much a pro-soviet guy who liked the soviet model of education had been to the soviet union many times anyway he placed them in columbia teachers college so the frankfurt that columbia teachers college became the location for the frankfurt school and that's where the critical theory really took off and it's estimated that something like 60% of college University professors uh, received their training uh, or were influenced indirectly or directly by the uh, Frankfurt School teachings at Columbia. And then also there was, uh, uh, Dewey also created the new school for social research, take off Mm -hmm. on the original one, and that's at New York University. And that still operates at New York University. And if you'll read about it, They brag about their Frankfurt School roots. And in fact, Mm. it's amazing if you go to, um, for example, uh, let's see, what what is it, the um, Berkeley, Berkeley Berkeley. Divinity College. Mm -hmm. Berkeley College of Divinity brags that it has a Frankfurt School influence. Wow. Think about that. This Mm -hmm. is a school of religious teaching being taught communism. And you know, if you recall when, uh, remember when uh, Alan uh, Keyes was arrested along with Norma McCorvey when they protested Obama speaking at Notre Dame University? Mm -hmm. Because Obama was an overt pro abortion guy, and Notre Dame is, you know, the Catholic, yeah, Catholic. Uh, College, uh, the number one Catholic college, in, and it, it, people were outraged that a Catholic college would sponsor him to speak. Mm-hmm. And Alan yeah. Keyes and Norma McCorvey, you know, who was uh, Roe in Roe versus Wade, right, uh, were arrested for protesting. And I looked into that, and I actually wrote an article about it. And I found out, that's when I found out that, the, uh, the uh, chancellor of the university, who was a Catholic uh, priest,
0: mm-hmm.
1: had learned at the uh, Berkeley School of Divinity. <laughs> and not only that, there were people on the board. There was one guy on the board of directors of Notre Dame who believed that Chinese communism was the way our country It was a better system than ours, and that's the way our country should be run. This is at the number one Catholic university in the country. So Even then, it, it, it's, they, they've been infiltrated and penetrated and taken over, so those organizations no longer serve the purpose for which they were intended. They've been completely subverted. But so the Frankfurt School pushed critical theory. And then, of course, Derrick Bell, who was uh, Obama's favorite uh, Harvard professor, Mm -hmm. took critical theory one more step and created critical race theory. And if you look it up, there are dozens of different critical theories for different elements of society today. There's one on education. There are numerous critical theories, and that it's just the idea is to take a divisive uh, a devices, a, a divisive agenda, and then splice it into a thousand pieces, so each one of those becomes a separate agenda that attacks one certain aspect or element of our culture to divide and conquer us in each one of those separately, and that's what uh,
0: critical race theory was designed to do. Oh, Absolutely, you know, and folks, critical theory, as Jim just explained, is not new. Uh, you know, one of one of the one of the responses that I see a lot from the leftists and social media is, "Well, you don't even know what critical race theory is." Uh, you know, it's not really being taught in schools and those kind of things, and. Uh, What they seem to fail to understand is that there are a lot of us still alive that fought the communists for years, and we've studied this stuff. We We do know what it is. We don't need their modern definition of communism or socialism. Ours is good. (laughs) Ours is good, and, and, and we have it because we want to defeat communism for all time because it's killed hundreds of millions of people, innocent people, much, even more than the Nazis in yeah. uh, in the in the Jewish Holocaust, and uh, yeah. as 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 terrible and horrific and disgusting uh, as that was, communism and Stalin and Pol Pot and Ho Chi Minh, all of these, and President G. Mao Zedong, all of them have killed hundreds of millions of innocent
1: yeah. Mass civilians marker.
0: people just because they disagreed with it. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, I I, yeah. I call them. I call them Jeffrey Dahmer in tweeds.
0: I (laughs) I shouldn't laugh at that, but you're right, you're right, man, you're right. That's
1: how sick they are. These people are just absolute, they're megalomaniacs, and you know, I don't distinguish between Hitler and Stalin or Mao. Hitler was a socialist. He He was. was A national socialist, but they were Mm -hmm. all about the state controlling all of the resources of society. And you know, if you wanna actually think about it, uh, the public private partnerships that Obama uh, advocated and now Joe Biden advocates are Mm -hmm. exactly the situation that existed in Nazi Germany because they allowed some of the big conglomerates to keep Mm -hmm. running, but there was never a question of who was in charge. And the same thing is true with these, quote, public-private partnerships. Who do you think is going to be the senior partner? They're going to be the the company? Are you serious? Mm -hmm. No, it's going to be the government (laughs) and whoever they put in charge of managing that particular thing. And they will dictate where the resources of those companies are directed. And the companies will go along with it because Mm -hmm. they know that they will get a bigger slice of the pie by cooperating than a company that... Doesn't get blessed with this public-private partnership.
0: Yeah, that's always been my <laughs> my layman's definition of fat pure fascism is where government controls corporations and corporations yeah. cooperate yeah. with the government a hundred percent of the time. Does that sound familiar? Big tech oligarchs uh, yeah. uh, and those kind of things. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, I mean, know, really.
1: Uh, and you know, yeah. all the antifa folks in the street. I say, God, I hate fascism. Do you hate cash? You hate fascists? Yes, we hate fascists. Well, why the hell do you act so much like them then? Exactly.
0: You know, I mean,
1: stop acting you, like
0: them. <laughs> you, you go through a lot. You go through all of this stuff, which some people may see as negative. But really, uh, you don't leave people hanging. You nope. lay out a strategy and a set of tactics. Uh, yeah. Before we uh, end our show here, let's go through the strategy a little bit of Uh, Because we've defeated communism before and we will defeat it again, even though in the Chinese version of it, we've enabled them through our economic policies uh, uh, like we did not do for the Soviet Union. But we can defeat it. Tell folks, what's the strategy? How do we go forward?
1: Well, first of all, I'd say that the left are our best salesmen. You know, they can never resist an opportunity to overplay their hand. And that's what they're doing now. And in a, in a certain sense, it's, uh, I mean, I, I wish that President Trump, who I thought was the best president uh, in the 20th century, frankly, um, he did a fantastic job. He's not credited with one-tenth of the things that he's done, uh, a- amazing things that nobody knows about because it never got any credit, but we'll set that aside. Um, we didn't, we didn't get that result, uh, whether we, did, I don't think we lost legitimately, but that's a whole mm-hmm. other story. Um, yeah. The left has overplayed its hand and people are seeing it and many people are voting with their feet, you yeah. know, New York, California are hemorrhaging people, uh, Maryland, where I live hemorrhaging people. Uh, Although it's not as bad here as it is there, because there is just off the charts insanity. Minnesota, the same way, Uh, Michigan to some extent, New Jersey, all these Democrat-run states Mm -hmm. are driving people out, and Democrat policies are driving people away. What we have to do is seize the moment and offer very attractive, viable alternatives. Now, Governor DeSantis in Florida is already doing that. Yeah. He's already doing that. I mean, he made a big public announcement about there will not be critical race theory in their schools. Now, I know that there's a, a big uh, pushback by the teacher unions there, but at least he's made, th- he's made that line in the sand. And let's see how well he's able to uh, 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 enforce it. But uh, there are so many things that we can do that people feel helpless. They feel powerless. Uh, The situation with school boards, people Mm -hmm. are suddenly waking up and lo and behold, when they put up good candidates, those candidates win with enormous, yeah. enormous margins because people realize with alarm what's happening to our children. And there are so many different ways that I list dozens and dozens of ways where we can use the legal system, where we can use our political system to create alternatives that people will flock to. And at the same time, if we get strong enough people elected, we can defund the left. I have said for decades that public universities that receive state fundings should be cut off entirely unless and until they return to teaching sanity, get rid of all of the various mindless, uh, uh, you know, uh, majors, you know, like women's studies, things like that that serve no purpose except for indoctrinating leftists who will then turn to teaching because there's no other place to get a job with that stuff except <laughs> at universities it just perpetuate right. that That's and right. hire people who are instructors rather than ideologues. You can yeah. cut off state university funds and starve them to death. Uh, and I'd like to see the same thing happen with public schools. Uh, mm-hmm. Our tax dollars should be portable. If we choose not to go to public schools, we should not have to pay the property taxes that are used to pay for public schools. And I agree. If we're able to do that, and we could do that if we had enough people elected properly, which, folks, means we really have to pay attention to not only federal elections, but state and especially local elections, which conservatives have essentially just ignored for the last 50 years. I mean they we, we oh, judges we need to elect judges nobody pays attention to judicial elections that's why we get these lunatic judges in there that keep on passing absolutely anti-legal you know very uh, mm-hmm. against victims type of uh rulings which is mm-hmm. once again part of the frankfurt school of critical theory and So there's a lot of things that we can do um, to change that and then give people alternatives and people will flood to our side. They will flood and the left will die on the vine.
0: That's why the left in America is trying to do everything it can as rapidly as it can because they know that people yes. are leaving. You know, the Hispanic yeah. vote that went for uh, yeah. President Trump uh, in 2020 is just incredible. Imagine what it would have been like had they not been cheating. Uh, you know, yeah. it's incredible yeah. Uh, yeah. what that number even is under the circumstances. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, thanks, Jim. Uh, we appreciate you spending so much time with us, and uh, and I want to get the book out to folks. Uh, how can uh, folks get the book and how do they find you? I've had your, your Twitter handle up on the screen the whole time, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, um, so that's the book. That's what it looks like. Great, really uh, nice cover that a friend of mine designed for me. Uh, they go to Amazon and just search who was Karl Marx, or probably an easier way is to go to my archive page, which is crisisnow.net. CrisisNow.net, and there's uh, a link directly to the Amazon page there. And of course you can get it Kindle or you can get the print version and um, you know, this is deep enough for a grad student or somebody who has read a lot uh, because a lot of people just have never heard of the people who are very critical leftists that are included in this book, but it's also really good for kids like 12 or 13 and older to find out what the real truth is about what's going on in the world today. It's written in a conversational style that, you know, it's easy to read and easy to understand. And so I urge people to get it and use it, um, use it as a template to help us turn back this tidal wave of communism, which literally threatens our future, the future of our country, and in fact, the future of the world.
0: It sure does, my friend. I appreciate you uh, spending time with us. And for the audience, thank you so much for being engaged. The show runs on engagement from you all. Uh, and we hope the information you get from the Rob Mina Show and guests like uh, Mr. Simpson uh, it, it, it works for you in your daily lives. And I think it does. This book is great. I've read it. Uh, I'm going to read it again because I did a speed reading effort on it and then I'm going to, now I'm going to do the deep dive. Uh, but it is very conversational a lot of good information that for folk that, those of us that have even studied this stuff, uh, there's good and new information that we hadn't seen before in this book, who was Karl Marx by James M Simpson. Jim, thank you very much for joining us today uh we'll uh get you links to the show when it comes out great thanks so much colonel great to be with you again thank you jim yeah well friends uh that was jim simpson the author of who was Karl marx but there's a lot more in that book uh than the title would have you believe however It's important to know who this guy is because there's a lot of people, especially young people today in the United States of America. And even in the United States Congress, that say Marxism is a good thing. And communism is a good thing. And you don't even know what it is. It hasn't been tried right before. Well, yes, I do know what it is. And those of us that have fought against it for all of our lives know exactly what it is and it's killed hundreds of millions of innocent people, not military people, but innocent people, moms, dads sons and daughters, uh, by these despots, uh, and the latest ones down in Cuba, uh, uh, you know, one Castro may be gone and his brother may be gone, but the system is still there and the Cuban people are rising up and I hope they revolt completely against it and come back into the light of democracy and Liberty, uh, as opposed to being shackled by communism. So get the book, who was Karl Marx by Jim Simpson. Go to crisisnow.net to find the link to Amazon, uh, and uh, you'll see it uh, on the show when it comes out on Thursday, and we'll put some other promo links out throughout the week. Until next time, which is going to be the first week of October, Uh, my family and I have to take some time to concentrate on some family business over the next few months, so you're going to see some Live shorts and some replays of some of the uh, more popular episodes in the time being will still be here, but we won't be doing a full production show until the first week of October. Until then, y'all stay safe. Pray for America. All living beings know the that they will eventually get their rights, not what some government tries to take away from them or give them. Uh, And God bless you all. Have a great day.